0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Before we get going, J.K. and I just want to share with you about Barracuda's Activity Camp. We, have been, we went there re- very recently. Yeah. We spent the day there. We joined in with the activities. Hmm. And from my personal opinion, as a teacher, as a parent, and as someone who works from home, I haven't seen any better holiday childcare.
1: I don't think it should just be for kids. <laughs> I know that's the point of it, but, gen I mean, we had the best time ever. I mean, some of our favourite things to do. Football. We were playing football. Um, we're, we're talking motorsports. They have quad bikes, but not just any quad bikes. We're eco-friendly. I know. They're electric,
0: quadrants. in all honesty, it was quite hard to get you off of the board.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have archery, they had swimming, there was an indoor swimming,
0: pool. yeah, arts and crafts, bouncy castle, bouncy castle was fun, fencing, fencing, decent. We didn't get to do that, but go that, karting. It was it, honestly, there's so many activities for so many different kids. So, if you're looking for somewhere for your children during the summer holidays, check out Barracudas. There's a link in the description below. Um, we've also got an offer so you can save 20 pounds using the code DAD. Twenty-three. Brilliant. Again, that'll
1: be in the description below. Also, what I do love—if you're worried about flexibility, there's no standard drop-off pickup mm. time. You can sort of
0: long hours.
1: There, there are long hours as well. So if you work, I don't know, you have to go into town or whatever it is. They they cater for for all this stuff.
0: Off yeah. offset b- approved. Fantastic reviews on Trustpilot. It's like four point eight or four point nine out of five. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so check it out also you're, you're going to book Noah in aren't you
1: yeah yeah definitely there and Luna if yeah. you ever
0: need more of a recommendation Jake is going to be using them
1: himself I will tell you more as and when when I get the feedback from Noah and Luna Noah's good he gives feedback Luna's one of those that just doesn't say anything <laughs>
0: yeah how was school fine fine
1: <laughs> no you don't I mean you're five years old and you're finding me
0: yeah <laughs> no it's not on <laughs> amazing right let's get going Dad's Net original podcast. I'm Al, that's JK, and this is Dad's Net's JK Now podcast. This week, I was at the tennis at Queen's with my new best mate, Jamie Murray. Great interview. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to Jamie Murray. But while I was mingling with the tennis elite, JK caught up with the comedy elite, Irish comedian, Ed Byrne. If you've watched telly over the last 10 years, you'll you'll, you'll know who Ed is. He's Mock the Week regular, TV presenter and all round nice guy with a new tour coming this autumn. However, this tour is focused on something you might not expect. Have a listen, have a listen to what happened when JK caught
1: up with him. So hang on a second, I did this interview all by myself while you were watching tennis. Yeah.
0: I was. See how close we are. Yeah. That's where I was to the tennis court. Are you kidding me? I was front row, of the court watching Jamie Murray and his new partner Mike no. Venus.
1: Were you? Um. Were you like? Could you touch the ball boys and
0: ball girls? Yeah. But I mean, I'd get in trouble. Yeah. Well, you don't. Don't do that.
1: Because you I, won't be invited again. Yeah. Like
0: if I was a creep, I could have. Yeah.
1: <laughs> don't be that creep. No, that's wrong. <laughs> wrong.
0: But um it was an amazing experience because what happened like better than sitting at in on court side. <laughs> our tickets were like invites from Jamie oh, wow. and they got us into the clubhouse
1: No. and once you're
0: past that security like you can go anywhere in that clubhouse which is like players changing rooms like Fantastic. there's players just mingling around coaches just mingling around so, and then you get out onto the balcony that overlooks centre court so then we watched um, Cameron Norrie's game from the balcony on Centre Court. Oh
2: my God. Uh, I
0: was looking to my left and like people's shirts were made of like £50 notes. It was no. crazy. <laughs> and then I was there in like t-shirt and shorts. Yeah,
1: in usual outfit. Like, yeah. No one questioned me. Though. Well, whilst you were mingling at Centre Court, you know, from the balcony, uh, I was chatting to one of my all-time favourite comedians. Yeah, what a guy? This guy's I'm, hilarious. I'm a sucker for an Irish comedian as yeah. well. And... Ed Byrne is up there with one of the mm-hmm. best and of course he's best friends he was the he was best man for Darrow Breen so they were oh, best yeah. they were best men for each other's weddings oh. as we'll we'll discuss and you'll hear all about it but I genuinely whilst you were mingling yeah. I was alright <laughs> I'll take one for the team on this guy
0: I must say I was gutted not to be there like if it wasn't such a good opportunity elsewhere like I, I would have definitely have prioritised it about. as
1: you're about to find out a naturally funny gifted guy this is what happened when we caught up with Ed Byrne Ed Byrne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much indeed. How are you? We're, we're good. Yeah, Al's usually with me, but he's he's watching a tennis match today, which is very peculiar and something nice you know. probably don't want to hear. But yes, he's he seems to nice. To, I know exactly. But I'm still here. I'm still dedicated. I'm still. I mean, I'm a massive fan as well. So I'm 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 so excited to talk to you. Uh, how's so? It, we're talking about a big tour first of all. Is that, that's what's happening, isn't it?
2: Uh, that is the next thing. That is the next big thing on my calendar is the, is the Edinburgh Fringe followed by the tour. Yeah. Having just finished uh, a tour that went on a lot longer than I thought it would uh, due to the truncated nature of it due to COVID. Um, it's uh, I'm looking forward to just getting back out and doing a tour that hopefully won't have quite so many cancelled stroke postponed shows.
1: So when we, when we talk about the tour, what can we expect this time? Because, um, we know that you are one of the, you know, greatest ups. Um, first of all, how do you, how do you prepare for a brand new tour? We'll talk about what's, what's in it and stuff in a second, but how, how do you prepare for this? Cause it's, it's, it's quite a thing.
2: Oh, how do I prepare for a tour? Um, in what way? Like as in, as in packing a bag,
1: Oh, no, because I, you know, you look at, I always, I always go to that. Um, what's the film where, uh, oh, the the guy goes, is it, it's not Love actually. It's what, is it that, what's that film? Oh, no, it, I can't remember what film it is, but where is it Colin that he, he goes to like Portugal to write his stuff. I'm wondering if you have a process of, of writing your material, preparing the material. Uh, you know, how, how do you, how do you start, you know, planning for a show? Um,
2: usually, usually it's just a case of, over the course of, you know, a year to, to to eight months before you're due to go out on the road, you just start going to various open mic and new material nights and just working up various ideas y- y- that will be sitting in your phone, uh, in, in my case, in the notes section of your phone for, you know, ideas that 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 seem like funny stuff, stuff that you just came out with in conversation, stuff that you woke up thinking of in the middle of the night. And you just sort of work, try and work each one of those up to sort of, a two, three, four, five-minute bit, and then you kind of look at which order you're going to do them all in, and then and then once you've got a few, you go and you're doing twenty minutes, half an hour slots here or there, then forty-minute slots as you as your your new stuff gets longer and longer, and then you're just going to work it up to an hour. That's pretty much the usual. Uh, but this time round, I've all just because of the nature of the show. I've actually booked in full length work in progress shows where I like, I do like a whole hour as I'm still trying to find where the funny bits are in, uh, in, in the show. So, you know, I've got, I did a week at the museum of comedy. I'm doing a week at the uh, Soho theater as I try to build this show. Cause this particular show is slightly different to previous ones in that it's first of all, I've got a couple of bits where I have, um, a, a little bit of PowerPoint, basically a little bit of audio visual. I don't usually have that in my shows, uh, but I do on this one. And it's also, I have a few, I have a couple more serious bits in this show because the show is called Tragedy Plus Time and it's all about Um the biggest tragedy. that My little brother died last year. So it's about that. I mean, it's basically about that. It's about death. It's about humour getting you through the dark times. So it's got it's slightly more serious stuff in it that doesn't really work in a comedy club, it works well in the context of a one man show, but it was a lot harder to work up the the bits in, you know, just going to a comedy club on a Saturday night when people have come out for a laugh and then going. So my brother died. Is it? It's just it's just slightly harder to work up the the material in in that uh, in that situation, if you know what I mean
1: what i like about comedy though is it, you know there are there are the, there's the classic yeah let's laugh out loud but i think you can take people on journeys nowadays and also people can relate to things hmm. you know people go through tragedy people have loved ones you know that, that are lost and do you think sometimes people seek solace in in someone like you being very open and talking about something which is you know so difficult
2: well that has been the feedback so far people have found it um you know, a lot of the messages I've had have been people who say, well, I lost my dad or I lost my brother. Or, I lost my wife, you know, last year, the year before, sometimes 20 years ago. And they, you know, yeah, they've, they, they've been quite enjoying it. Also, I mean, it's not as alienating as talking about your kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, the last couple of shows I've done have focused quite heavily on parenting yeah. and, uh, yeah. Sometimes people who don't have kids really don't want to hear about yours,
1: <laughs> and I think it's
2: because people who don't have kids they spend so much time hanging out with other people who've got kids and then banging on about their kids that they go, oh, "God, I," should. you know, if you don't have kids and you're not interested in hearing about them, it's it's it is really alienating, and I am aware that people have been finding that with the last couple of shows I've done. Like, if there's been a criticism, it's been like, "Yeah, is that right?" Is that- a lot, of, a lot of stuff about kids in there, isn't there? Yeah, I don't uh, have kids, and I'm really not interested. So, uh, okay, fine then. Do you have a dead brother? Because you love this. <laughs>
1: But the thing is, right, the people that don't have kids, do, do you have that satisfaction of when those people do finally have kids and they're coming to you and they're asking for advice, you were like, hang on a second, you You didn't give a shit about my kids. You didn't want to hear stories about my kids. And now you want advice.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone, uh, whether they have or have not, has ever come to me about advice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have a friend uh, and his wife uh, asked me some advice about their son just recently, med- medical advice, and uh, and I gave it. And then I, I was talking to him about it then a, a few days later. I said, How is everything with, with the little man? And he goes, oh, yeah, no, um, she asked me the exact same questions, and I said the exact same thing you did. So uh, I guess she just needed to hear from someone who wasn't me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I genuinely, I, lo- I love, there, there are certain stories that, that you love. And there are certain stories that you don't care about. I think if you keep your stories generic, just to children, you know, Mm. it's, it's not that bad. Like the other day, um, I heard my daughter, she dropped something and said bollocks. I think, you know, I think that's a story that we can all relate to. And then you have to look around to your, that's when you and your wife look at each other and go, where did she get it from? Did she get the bollocks from you? Or did she get the bollocks from me? Mm. I think it was her.
2: Right. Yeah. That's a, It'd be difficult not to take credit for somebody like that. I think I would be like, yeah, you got, got it from me. You know, yeah. I think I quite like that as a sentence. Where, where did the child yeah. get the bollocks from? Um,
1: You'd think it would be from me, really, wouldn't you, actually?
2: Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time my kid said dickhead, and and he got that from my wife because she had said, indicate dickhead to somebody. And I think, and then I think, then subsequently, just said, "Indicate." It's a it's a thing that they would hear both myself and my wife yell. People <laughs> can't actually hear us, but particularly on roundabouts. Oh, indicate, which sounds like dickhead anyway. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, dick indicate it in, indicate dickhead. You know, so I think they just thought it was a fairly harmless thing to yell. Uh, uh, and to- I just remember the first time my kid just said it, just about it's something else quite innocuous, and just like at the age of of three, and cars went. Yeah, that was a bit silly, wasn't it? Like, dickhead. <laughs> no, we're not supposed to say that.
1: And did you go? And um, was it a BMW driver or was it a Range Rover? Which one was it? I think it was an Audi. Oh, was it really? Oh, hmm. you don't re- I don't expect that from an Audi driver. No, yeah. <laughs> um, right. So can we can we can we talk about your hobbies because. A lot of people that that you know watch you know you would not think that you are you know you're a you're a hill climber you're a you're a mountaineer where where did you find this love for for, for this particular hobby
2: I used to do it when I was a kid uh, we had we were one of the few schools in Ireland it's certainly in Dublin with with an actual hill walking club because we had a teacher who who was a mountain leader so um, he used to take a, a few of us out. And uh, so I got into it then as a teenager, and then like a lot of things just did, went off to university, never did it again, which is, issue. I mean, looking back now, I lived, I, I was living in Glasgow when I went to university and the, you know, the Highlands were just there and I could easily have taken advantage of them. And I didn't the whole three and a bit years I lived in, uh, in Glasgow. Um, and then I got back into it in my, well, probably about 30 odd Um I was with my now wife, then girlfriend who was from the peak district and we were driving through there one very frosty sort of new year period. And I don't know. It was like, they just called to me, the Hills when come, come walk on us again. <laughs> now you're approaching middle age. Come walk on us again. Now's, uh, the,
1: time. Now's the time. It seems right.
2: <laughs> so, uh so yeah, I, um, uh, I, just, uh, I just, yeah, just got back into it, and i, I and then, and then had kids, and then that knocked another hole in it. Uh, but I, I I'll, we'll get back to it.
1: And but didn't you, you did a BBC two, a BBC two show about volcanoes, didn't you?
2: I did. Yep. Yeah. There was a show called Volcano Live, which, when you think about it, I mean, watching nature is one thing. Spring even Even stargazing. These things work live geology i think generally is best appreciated over a very long time period <laughs> the idea of uh, of live monitoring of a volcano for tv just seems a bit of a stretch yeah but i went to i went to bristol and i just did a bunch of ets interviewing uh, volcanologists and seismologists and uh, geologists about about the phenomena of 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 that surrounds volcano and geology. and It was very interesting. Yeah,
1: I bet. I bet. Did that lead? I tell you the most
2: interesting thing about it is like that that experiment of like putting mentos in coke, which you think is just silliness, but it actually does mimic what a volcano, what is happening in, in in a volcanic eruption, in that it's a, it is about uh, gases that are dissolved in liquid that then come out of solution and cause an explosion. That's that's what happens with, with a volcano as well. Is that you know? You know, the surface will move, and suddenly all this this liquid that's under pressure, the pressure gets released, and 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 gas comes out of solution, and that's why you get this, this explosion. So yeah. it is actually, it isn't just a case of look, liquid comes out through a hole. Therefore, it's like a volcano. It is actually a similar reaction as well. It's why were you I not? My,
1: why were you not my geography teacher? Why? Why were you not? You I know fan, you would have been well, fantastic. Or why? Or why were they not my?
2: Our, all of our geography teachers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My geography teacher genuinely got us lost trying to find the source of the Elan Valley or the, the whatever river it was. We got lost and he had to be rescued by the RE teacher, Mrs. Rolfe. Genuine. Wow. That was our geography teacher who was called Mr. Far.
2: That's got to hurt when, you know, geography, like a science and you have yeah. to get rescued
1: by religion. The religious education <laughs> teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He never lived that down. Trust me. He didn't. Um, Right. So oh, the, uh, now I, obviously I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of, of you, a big fan of, of Darrow Breen as well. And now did you two have a bit of a deal where you were sort of best man for each other? Now who was, who was best man first? I was best man
2: first for him. Right. Um, which I, 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 and then he was best man for me. He had to be best man for me, really, because he introduced me to my wife. Oh, OK. so it seemed appropriate. I actually kind of had to cheat. I had to hedge it, so I actually had two best men. My older brother also acted as best man. Yeah, they did a they did a speech each. Um, uh, but yeah, I decided to to uh, to allow myself that one because I had also been best man for my elder brother as well. Yeah, so yeah, I, because I had introduced him to his wife. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So Why? there, so yeah. So I felt like that he had, I you know, that's fair enough. I had to be best man at his because I introduced him to his wife, but I felt like Garrett had to be best man at mine because I introduced him to, he introduced me to mine. Um, so yeah, I had, I had two speeches. There you go. It's indulgent, but I've been at no, no, weddings. No. I've been to weddings where there's been like 10 speeches where the maid of honours had to go and the mother of the bride and the father of the groom. And the, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just been, Yeah. 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 I run just in circles keep... where people like the sound of their own voices.
1: <laughs> Did um whose whose was the most revealing out of your speeches? Was it yours for his or his for you?
2: Uh oh, I think it was probably mine for him. I think I think mine my one for him probably had more embarrassing stuff in it. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. the time he brought uh the police to my house by flag- thinking they were a cab and flagging them down just outside my house and and leaving the front door open. And so they then decided to investigate what was going on when a drunk man dressed in evening wear was trying to flag them down.
1: And that actually happened, yeah. That, that's a completely true story, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And he th- he, what, he actually thought it was a cab. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
2: and it's not, I don't even live on a road that cabs would drive down at the time. You know. well, not that the police... Visited that often either, but there you go. So. Yeah, yeah. So he brought the police to my house. I was in bed, and a and a, and a police officer just, just was in my room. Do you live here? I yes, I do. No, I'm a very lazy burglar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I decided to take a nap. I mean, it's exhausting. This have you felt the weight of that TV? <laughs> and
2: then and then it worked. It worked very well. And then it and then it turned out that the producer of Mock the Week was was in attendance and i at this point in my career had already been on the royal variety show i'd been nominated for best comedian at the british comedy awards you know i you know i already had a career yeah but then the the producer of mock the week was at the wedding and came up to me afterwards and was like oh that's a very funny story you should come on the show and tell that story and that was how i got to be on mock the week
1: oh my god that's incredible
2: Yes, I'm still auditioning. Didn't you, you don't realize that everything is still a career gig, even a best man speech.
1: <laughs> wow. Now, now th- talking of which you like know, you have done you've pretty much done everything. You're an all-round entertainer. You know, you've done TV, you've <laughs> done film. That makes it sound like I can sing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked about singing yet, yeah? although we can yeah. we can test that out if you wish. Right, no, so what what has been what has been your best job so far? Maybe not but the, the one that you've enjoyed the most? Um
2: I mean I it sounds really corny but 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 stand up is always the thing I, I love the most. It's the one it's the one single thing in life where I feel like I know exactly what I'm doing and I feel completely in control. There's no editor, there's no director, I don't need to wait for the reviews to come out to know whether or not it was any good. You know, I just it's right there immediately. You 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 know whether or not it, it's working. So I do enjoy that. More than anything else, but, but I, I, the couple of sort of travel shows I have done, I did um, a world's most dangerous roads with Siberia, yeah, and that was very gratifying to 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 look back on and to watch, and then the same with a couple of series that I did with Dara, where we. Um, we, we traveled through the Far East and also through uh, Mexico and Central America. They were really interesting.
1: So that so, was the big adventure, wasn't it?
2: Big adventure. Yeah.
1: Which was fantastic. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Big adventure and road to Mandalay. They were the two that we did, me and Dara. And they were, yeah, they were, and they were actually, they are actually quite hard work to, when you're making yeah. those shows. <laughs> yeah. And the time that you're away, you know, how much you, how much you're actually getting compared to say, you know, showing up as a guest on a, Chat show, even you know the actual effort that you put in, versus the and the time you have to put in versus the financial recompense, shall we say? Yeah, it's not it's not a great formula, but no. it's it is something that you get to look back on and go, oh, that's actually quite a decent piece of work. And, then, and and while you're doing it, you're so busy and you're so you're and you're concentrating on trying to make it a good show, and you're constantly being on for the camera and all that you. You, it's sometimes hard to take in that you're doing the interesting things that you're doing. And it's only when, when you watch it back and go, oh, wow, I really did slide down a volcano in <laughs> in uh, Guatemala. That's
1: you're drawn to volcanoes, cool. aren't you, Eddie? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, I've all, you know, if it's anything to do with a mountain it just gets handed to me, yeah. yeah.
1: I know exactly what you mean. I, I did I did kids TV for a for a while and we had to do a show called Escape from Scorpion Island, which was based in in Queensland, Australia. It's where they filmed the very first I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Oh yeah. And So me and my mate I was working with at the time, Joel, we were like, this is fantastic. Our agent's just come to us. We're going to do, we've got six weeks in Australia with the BBC. They're going to fly us out there, you know, all that sort of stuff. We were like, this is, this is just, this is, I've never been before. This is incredible. We got there and we, we had six weeks to film 42 hour long episodes. And I think the only time we had a break was a Sunday. And I remember we were out on the Saturday and I thought, I've got to do something while I'm here. And a load of the riggers were skydiving instructors. Right. We'd been out the night before and I don't think yeah. we probably got back until about five. And then they took us up in a plane at 7am and wow. we skydive from a place called Mission Beach, which is the most phenomenal scenery, you know, onto this thing. And I was like, out of what, all those six weeks, the one thing that we managed to do was a skydive with the drunk skydive instructor. Yeah, uh, And that's how busy things are. Yeah yeah yeah. I'm not
2: sure how happy I'd be. I mean it'd be one thing for me to do it hungover having been up all night. I believe it, it was a tandem skydive, right? Yes it was. So you're yeah. not doing any work. But the person responsible for you is as is as hungover as you are. I th- I think that would slightly worry me. I think he got just... the last
1: round of Yeager bombs. If I'm, if I'm honest, yeah. So I, I think, yeah. But the, obviously at that point it was the BBC. You, you, you signed everything that you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. <laughs> so we had to sly off at some point and do. I think I'm only, re- I'm only actually, you know, revealing this for the very first time. This a will podcast. be the scandal
2: now. Yeah, it's yeah. Fun, oh, yeah. don't do that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I got into trouble for revealing things about. I think it was about Dangerous Roads. The fact that you know, <laughs> at one point we got pulled back onto the, onto the road. And it says when you watch it and the thing it goes. Because we went off the road and there's uh, luckily a passing truck has pulled them back onto the road again. I go, yeah, passing truck who happened to be our support vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I said that in a podcast. And yeah, there was a whole, then there was like a Daily Mirror journalist was in the audience and they decided to, and Burn exposes the lies and cheating of the BBC.
1: Oh God. But that's the problem though. We I'm sat here in my son's bedroom. I mean, if you want any proof, my daughter's been in here as well. And that was the last thing that they were playing with. She's on my keyboard. You know, mm-hmm. this is My Little Pony. And you think, and I'm chatting to you, you're obviously at, at home. And you just kind of think that we're chatting to each other. You also forget that these podcasts go out to places. You know, I'm on the radio. Well, I should know this. You know, it's, right, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah, but I, I think it's, it's a shame because sometimes
2: you can, you'll say something in a podcast, which is long form and in context, and and it'll work and it's increasingly now some news site some tabloid site will then just take something will quote out of context will make it sound like they interviewed you and and will sensationalize us so i yeah. i think there was a, there was a time there where people were more open on podcasts and now even that you kind of feel like you go, i still need to be careful with what i say because yeah. it may still get picked up and sensationalized by somebody else
1: that, that little clip that they'll just take yeah. just that one little yeah. clip
2: in a way that yeah. when you used to, maybe if you were being interviewed by the sun or the star or something like that, you'll go, right, I'll really be very careful what I say because I know yeah. what they're like and they'll take it and they'll exaggerate and they'll make a headline out of something that you didn't really say. Yeah. Now they'll do that with an interview you've done elsewhere as well. So now you have to be cagey in every interview you give.
1: Dare we say that's lazy journalism?
2: I I think it's a symptom <laughs> of, of uh, we, we we get the journalism we deserve. I think that's the best way I could put it.
1: Okay, let's let's do well, this. Go no,
2: I remember years ago, Victoria Beckham being on The Big Breakfast, being interviewed by Johnny Vaughn, yep. and uh, him asking her about something to do with whether she and David Beckham just, you know, pick what the other wears or something like that. It was something to do with how much influence she has and what he wears. And she made an obvious joke, a complete throwaway line about... And he steals my underwear anyway. Something like, and it was so clearly a joke. Yeah. And Johnny Vaughan laughed like it was a joke. And it was obviously, and it was just a and it was like a throwaway line. And it was actually quite, you know, it, it was quite funny. It made her look quite, you know, human and all Normal. that. Normal. Yeah. And literally then later that day, you know, David Beckham wears my underwear was on the, was on the front page of The yeah. Sun. And I'm going, surely people saw this interview and saw, and know this isn't true. <laughs> and they just went with it like it was gospel. And I'm like, how can you, cause I, I even thought to myself, you're you're making yourself look bad here, son, because yeah. people will know, people will have seen this interview and will know that it's not true. No one gave a shit. No, no. And no. so I just thought, well, there you go. Because people people have read it and people have accepted it and people who are exactly like me who will have seen the interview will have yeah. gone, well, I know it's not true, but it will still go, yeah, but that's. Just there's a grain of truth. There's enough. No smoke without fire. Maybe she wasn't. Re- you know. Just, I mean I, I, when I say we get the journalism we deserve, people accept it. So that's why it happens.
1: I will give them one thing. There was one. I I did a, a, a nightclub uh, in my hometown. I used to work on on Radio One, and I did a gig in my hometown. It was like a homecoming gig. And during, it was quite busy, and during the crowd, I was trying to get through with, like, my my, my records and stuff. And mm-hmm. I accidentally hit someone, like, kind of on the chin as I was trying to get through the crowd. And then anyway, I got a journalist call me saying, um, yeah, we're going to write a story about you uh, on Sunday. And the headline is, last night a DJ ate my wife. Because <laughs> apparently a guy went close to her mouth and, and I bit her, or something like that. And that's when you go, oh, my... F- what? <laughs> what? Ed, it's been a, it's been amazing chatting to you. Thank you so so much for your time. Uh, so where can we see you then w- with the upcoming tours?
2: Well, uh, the, the the Edinburgh Fringe is uh, is all through August. I think it's the third to the twenty third of August. I'll be I'll be in Edinburgh, and then after that the tour starts first of September. Uh, I think that it, it's all on my website, at and it's at the moment it's up to it's up to December and then but there will be don't go oh why aren't you coming to such and such because there'll there'll be more dates january to to may they're
1: just not on sale yeah so yeah so don't panic there will be more don't panic Uh, thank you so much for talking to us today ed not at all thank you
2: a dad's net original podcast